Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. Is everybody awake here today? Some of you? Is it raining out or something? No. Okay. Well, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. All right. That's better. Makes me feel a little bit better as we start off today. So good to have you today. My name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And if you're new with us, we are in the middle of a series called The 5G Life. And in this series, we're learning about how to stay on track in our relationship with God. So just curious, anybody, any Christ followers ever get off track in your relationship with God, like turn down a wrong road? Okay, like I'm really proud of you who raised your hands. The rest of you are lying. (laughs) That's not good in church to start off by lying. All right, so I found even in my own life, even as a pastor, it's so easy to turn off the right road onto the wrong road. It's easy to do that. Sometimes we do that accidentally. Sometimes we do that on purpose. Sometimes we say, you know what, I know this isn't going to lead to a good place, but I'm going to go here anyway. I'm just going to go down this road. And later we realize, oh, that that wasn't a good thing. So what we've talked about in this series is that we all need a roadmap. We all need some sort of guide that can help us in our relationship with God, that can help us stay on track in that relationship. Well, I believe that the 5G life can be that guide for us. It can be that spiritual growth guide that helps us grow to be that all God wants us to be. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, we gave out wristbands. So we've got some wristbands here, these black wristbands that that I'm wearing right now. Uh, We've got them at the back uh, or at our connection center. Let me just see. Somebody raise their hand. Anybody got one on? All right. Power to the people. That's great. Thank you for doing that. All right, so if you don't have one, you can stop at our Connection Center. You can pick up one of those. I wear it almost every day. Um, I rarely take it off because it helps me to stay on track in my relationship with God. And there are often times that I will just pause and look down at this wristband, and I will walk through the 5Gs, and I'll ask myself, how are you doing in that area? If you've gotten off track, what do you need to do to stay on track in your relationship with God in that specific area? So just this little wristband helps keep that in front of my mind on a regular basis. So the five G's are this, God, grow, gather, give, go. God, grow, gather, give, go. So these are five things that we watch Jesus do on a consistent basis and things that I think that God wants us doing on a regular basis as well. So the the first G uh, stands for God, and that represents starting a relationship with God and then growing that relationship through this thing called prayer. So God wants to have a regular conversation with us. That's where we actually talk to God and we listen to God. Now, the second G is grow. And it stands for growing by applying what we're reading in the Bible. So one of the things we learned last week is that the primary way that God speaks to us today is through the Bible, So God speaks to us. If you want to know what God is saying to you, if you want to know what God wants you to do in a specific situation, we've got to be reading the Bible, but not only reading the Bible. We've got to apply the Bible to our lives. So if we just read it, that's just one level, and that's not where God wants us to stop. God wants us to grow by applying what we're reading in the Bible. Now, the third G that we're going to talk about today is actually one of the most difficult Gs for us to get active in. It's something that we want desperately, and yet we are very much afraid of it. 
So I'd like us to pause for a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to dive into this third G. And while we're praying today, let me just bring something up to you uh, for you to know as a church family. There is a, an attender in our church. Um, they've, her and her husband have been attending for several years now. Uh, her name is Suzette. And I was visiting Suzette this past week in the hospital. She's just been informed that she has stage four cancer. And uh, the doctors are telling her there's not much that they can do for her. So I would like us this morning, as we pray, let's just pray for her and her husband um, in the situation that they're in. So let's all pray together. God, what an honor it is for us to come together as a church family and pray for each other. And uh, Lord, here Suzette is, uh, one of our... Uh, regular church attenders. She's just gotten some news that none of us ever want to get. And Lord, I pray your healing power in her life. Lord, I'm so grateful that you are the great physician. And it doesn't matter what any doctor says to us or what any prognosis that a doctor here can give because you're the only one who knows what our true prognosis is. So Lord, I pray for healing for her. I pray that you would provide that healing. And Lord, we submit to your will and how you want to work in her life. I pray for her husband, give him the strength that he needs. I pray that you would teach us as a a church family how to surround them and and do life with them. And I'm so grateful for several of our other church members who are are very active in this situation as well. So be with her today. I pray that she knows how much she is loved by you. God, I want to transition our thoughts this morning to this message. Uh, So today we're going to talk about something that's difficult for us, something that we we secretly desire, and yet we're pretty afraid of. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would teach us how to be courageous, teach us how to be brave, and how to step forward towards this thing that's critical for us to learn to grow, to, to be the people you want us to be. And, Lord, I pray today that you would speak, Lord, through me. Lord, I, I just want my words to be your words. I don't, I don't want to say anything that you don't want said, so I pray that you would guide me today in, in this message. Open our hearts and our minds, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today I'm going to lead us down several different paths, and my hope is that at the end of the message, um, that we'll all be back on the same path together. So if during the service you want to pray for that, that would be great, all right? So we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book in the Bible, and we're going to observe a couple of things about God and then the implications of that for us. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 reads this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, verse 3, which probably isn't going to be on your screen, says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we watch God at work in creation. So God speaks, and things just burst into existence. The universe bursts into existence. Planets, stars, galaxies. God creates the earth. God creates land and and water. He creates light. He creates animals. He creates plants. And then in verse 26, God says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Over in chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, up to this point in creation, God has simply spoken things into existence. But at this spot, something changes. 
His strategy changes with creation, and God decides to get more personally involved. He gets his hands dirty. He sticks his hands down into some dust, some dirt of the ground, and he forms man, and then he breathes the breath of life into the man's nostrils. Then verse 8 tells us that the Lord then planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Now, we've got Adam freshly made in a perfect place. Uh, there's, There's nothing that he could ever want. He has everything he could ever desire, and he's in a perfect relationship with God. So God's there, he's there. Life is good for Adam until verse 18. Verse 18 says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, I find it fascinating that God said that in that context. So again, here's Adam, he's in a perfect environment. I mean, how many of us would like to be in that environment? Like all of us, we wanna be in Eden. It's perfect, perfect relationship with God, have everything we could ever want. Then God looks at that scenario and says, something's not right, something's not done, something is missing. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I'm looking at that going, well, he's not alone. He's with God. That's a good thing. And God acknowledges that's a good thing. But the bad part is man is without human companionship. So God's answer to Adam's aloneness is Eve. He creates Eve. Men, aren't you so grateful that God created women? Yes, the answer is yes. And if you have a wife sitting next to you or a girlfriend, you should squeeze her on the shoulder, give her a kiss on the cheek. If it's not your wife or your girlfriend, don't kiss anybody next to you, okay? So that would just be too weird, creepy. All right, so God's answer for Adam's aloneness is a human relationship. And I think beyond just creating Eve as as the answer for Adam and creating that first marriage relationship, I think God was reaching beyond that to answer our human aloneness problem. We have a human aloneness problem in our world. And I think God was creating a way for us to experience the type of community that God has always existed in. If you noticed in chapter 1, verse 26, it said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So there's this plurality to the Godhead. And we we see that at work in in creation. Genesis chapter one, chapter two, we see God the Father at work in creation. We see God the Holy Spirit at work in creation. And then over in John chapter one, listen to the parallels of Genesis chapter one and John chapter one and see who else is involved in creation. It says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. Then verse 14 tells us who the word is. So the word became human And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the father's one and only son. So there in creation we see God the father. God the son. And God the Holy Spirit. All together active. Working together in unity. For creation. So think about this. God has always existed in community. He's always existed 
in a deep, loving relationship between the other members of the Holy Trinity. Now, we may not fully understand the Trinity, and none of us do. And I'm not even sure when we stand in God's presence that we will fully grasp the, the Trinity. But uh, nonetheless, God has always existed in this deep, loving relationship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's inviting us into that kind of relationship, not with just him, but with others as well. I truly believe that God is saying to us still today that a vital part of us growing in our relationship with God, growing in our relationship with him, is to learn how to have, how to have deep community with him and deep community with other people around us. That's where our third G comes in, where we gather together with a small group of Christ followers to learn to live in biblical community. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we, we sat and we brainstormed things that would help us grow in our relationship with God, things called spiritual disciplines. And we threw out things like prayer and, and Bible study and fasting and serving. And I gotta tell you, years ago, I never would have put on that list living in community. I never would have put that as something that God wants us to do. I, at, my, at, my, at that time in my life, I thought that my relationship with God was only vertical that it was between me and him only, that my relationships with other people didn't matter, that I could grow deeply in my relationship with God, just me and him alone. And it didn't matter what my relationships with other people around me looked like. But the more I've read the Bible, the more I've tried to apply it to my life, the more I've learned that we cannot truly grow closer to God without growing closer to people around us. It's not possible. It's not possible to truly grow our relationship with God without that horizontal aspect of growing a relationship with other people. See, the depth of our relationship with God is measured by how we interact with others. The depth of our relationship with God is measured by the depth of our relationships with people around us. Now listen to what Jesus told his disciples in John 13. So John 13 uh, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. His disciples, I'm sure they perked up. New commandment, what's this new thing that we gotta hear? They pulled out their iPhones and they were ready. They were ready to type this stuff down. And Jesus said, the new commandment is this, love each other. Your love for one another. Get this, get how profound this statement is. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, it's interesting what Jesus said there and what Jesus didn't say. So Jesus didn't say, your knowledge of the Bible will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Nothing wrong with Bible knowledge. We learned that last week. Bible knowledge is critical. We've got to learn the Bible. We've got to read it. We've got to apply it to our lives. That's critical. But Jesus didn't say, if you know a lot about the Bible, the world will know you're my disciples. He also didn't say, if you have a Christian bumper sticker on the back of your car, or you wear an epic t-shirt or Christian jewelry, then the world around will know that you are my disciples. And quite frankly, I think some of us should take the bumper sticker off 
and maybe not wear the epic t-shirt on some days or the Christian jewelry. Why? Because if you're driving around with some road rage and you want to flick everybody off who's cutting in front of you, I'm thinking that might be an obstacle to them coming to know Jesus. So uh, on the morning that you wake up and you're having a really bad morning, you know that day you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? So if you wake up tomorrow and you're, well, you're not going to go to work tomorrow if you have tomorrow off. All right, so let's say Tuesday. So as you wake up on Tuesday, you're going to go to work and you're trying to decide what shirt to wear and you pull out your drawer and you see an epic shirt. If you're having a bad morning, don't put the epic shirt on, okay? Just do me a favor. All right, so it's not going to go well if you're chewing people out at the office, if you're in Walmart or Publix and you're chewing people out, that's not going to help them grow to be like Jesus. So on that day, just wear another shirt, okay? So for me personally, there are days that I go, I don't think I should wear that shirt today because I don't think I'm going to represent Jesus well. So Jesus didn't say, if we advertise for him, people will know that we are his disciples. He also didn't say, your ability to win arguments will prove that you are my disciples. Now, sometimes we Christians kind of think that. We think, man, if I just know the Bible deeply and I can prove that I'm right and prove other people are wrong, you know, my coworkers will one day just go, wow, it's so obvious that you know so much. Like, tell me how to meet your Jesus. Like, no, like if we're in this argumentative tone where we're proving we're right and someone else is wrong, they're probably gonna go, hey, like you know a lot, apparently. You can win an argument. And I don't know that I want to know your God if that's the kind of God that you serve. So I don't think that our deep knowledge of the Bible and our ability to win arguments is going to lead people towards Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said our love. Our love for people. Our love for people around us. Our love for that person in your office that you really don't have great feelings for. That that person in our neighborhood that, that you're not really excited about seeing when they're out taking out their trash. Our love for people, our love for each other in the church context, our love for the people that are sitting next to you right here this morning, will prove to the world that we are his disciples. Now, the sad reality is, not only are we not so good at loving each other, we're not very good at doing life together. And I think we are experiencing the aloneness problem that God observed for Adam. And I think God is still looking down on humanity and saying, it's not good for man to be alone. Now let me shift gears slightly. We're gonna go down a a slightly different path and hopefully I'll be able to tie this back in. So here at Epic, we tend to think of things in fives. Okay, so we have five Gs in our spiritual growth process. We have five values that guide us as a church. I wanna tell you about those values. You you probably don't see them a whole lot around. It's something our staff uh, stays focused on and our ministry leaders stay focused on. But here are our five values. So number one, the first value is that people matter. So all people matter. Uh, Doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter your political opinion, doesn't matter your church background, none of that matters. All people matter. Jesus died for everyone. Second value is that becoming like Jesus matters. So Jesus, get this, he didn't die so we can stay how we are, right? Sometimes people feel that way. Well, this is how God made me. You just gotta accept me for how I am. Like, nah, not true. Jesus died so you can change. Jesus died so I can change. Jesus died so that we would learn to live like him. So becoming like Jesus matters. The third value is authentic community matters. I'm gonna get back to that in just a minute. The fourth value is that engaging environments matter. Now, that can sound like a weird thing. Let me explain it. For us as a staff, ministry leaders, 
I think it is a sin to bore people with the Bible or a relationship with God. I think that's a sin. I think it's a sin to bore a child with, with the Bible. I think it's a sin to bore a teenager, to bore an adult with the Bible. So I think we have a responsibility when we're teaching God's word, teaching about a relationship with God, to do it in a way that engages people, that people will lean in a little bit and go like, I would like to know a little bit more about that. So engaging environments matters. And the last is serving others matters. Jesus didn't come here to be served. He came here to serve. And he told his followers, which is us, if you're a follower of Jesus, he said, I want you to learn how to serve other people. That's where true greatness comes from. That's what leadership is all about, is learning to serve people around you that are in need. Now, those are our five values. So back to our third value, our our value of authentic community. Let me explain why we chose the word authentic to describe the community that we want to create here. The reason is there are so many inauthentic communities around us. We are offered all the time all kinds of superficial relationships that fall so short of the type of community that God wants us to experience in a relationship with him. So, for example, look at what is happening with the advancement in technology through social media. Just curious, how many of you have a social media account of some sort? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, whatever else. Dead dog, I don't know. I made that one up. I'm not sure. There's probably a new one. Let me see your hands up. Everybody, hands up if you have some sort of social media account. That is most of us, okay? So most of us have that. All right, so uh, social media is allowing us to do some amazing things today that we couldn't do years ago. So just think, you know, 20 years ago, like stuff that we can do now that we couldn't do then. Stay connected with people around the world. You know, connect again with people that we knew years ago. Um, we can create groups and disseminate information that's critical information. We have specialized groups, uh, you know, medical groups or, or support groups. There's all kinds of amazing things that we can do through technology. But, but here's what's going on. With the advancement of technology, every advancement like social media, it seems that we take another step away from something very valuable. And I'm concerned that social media is creating a false sense of community that has real implications for our real relationships, like the relationships where you can reach out and touch someone. So let me give you some examples of that. My Facebook account tells me I have 656 friends. I looked that up the other day. I thought that was really cool. Wow, that's awesome. 656 friends until I thought, I don't think I know 650 of them. Like, I, I really don't. Um, so then I, I, you know, there's times I look through and I'm like, who's that person? How'd they get on my friends list? I don't know. Who accepted that? I'm not sure. Um, but Facebook offers a solution to that problem. It says, if you'll read the news feed, then you can get to know your friends. And so sometimes I do. And every once in a while, you know, I can get absorbed in, in, you know, 30 minutes of looking at the newsfeed. And I learned some amazing things about my 656 friends. I can learn who had oatmeal for breakfast, who went to the store to get another gallon of milk. And, you know, I can watch some of my friends go through these theological debates, these political rants where they, they're, they're trying to prove they're right and somebody else is wrong. So I think it's so valuable, the stuff that I can learn about my friends when I'm looking at the newsfeed. Here's another great thing about social media. It allows me to easily control what people see about me and know about me. 
So social media allows me to control the image that I represent to the world. So for example, if I'm posting a picture, if there's, there's a post, let's say, and I don't like the post, what do we do? Delete it and do another post. If I don't like a picture that I'm posting, uh, like for example, I'm having a bad hair day, you know, I can, I can post another one and hopefully this new picture gets some likes and comments out of it, you know, because I need that positive affirmation. When I post stuff, like I need people to say, that's awesome. I like that really cool picture, you know, great comment. I mean, I, I look for that kind of stuff because it helps me reinforce the image that I'm trying to create for the world. Now, I thought it'd be kind of fun for us to do a little experiment today as a, as a church. Are you up for this? All right, so I hope you are. Well, whether you are or not, you aren't. Here we are. Here we go. We're doing this. All right, so I thought it would be really cool for us to take a a group selfie and then post it on Facebook and see what kind of interaction we can get out of it. Now, um, I'm like a novice with these things, these selfie sticks. Like, I don't know how to work them real well. It's really my first time. So if I like whack myself and knock myself out with it, please somebody come finish the message. So what I'd like us to do is I'm gonna take a group picture and then later today I'm gonna post this on Facebook. So are you ready for this? It's gonna be fun. Woo! Come on, epic style. It's gonna be fun. All right, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say one, two, three, and when I say three, we're gonna say epic and I'll take a picture. Okay, ready? Here we go. All right, hold on, hold on. I got to adjust it. See, I really don't know what I'm doing with this thing. Wait a minute. You know what? I got to turn it around because I'm taking pictures of that. So that's good. See, I don't know what I'm doing. All right, here we go. Hey, look, there I am. Okay. Hold on. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to have to take several pictures. All right, so we'll take one with this side. All right, this side ready? What's that? Find Cody. Yeah, Cody can do it for us. All right, so I got I to gotta be able to figure this out. All right, here we go. It's a little dark back there. Everybody smile. Your, your best face. All right, yeah, wake up back there. All right, here we go. Ready? One, two, three, epic. All right, let me look at this real quick. All right, well, some of you are asleep. You got your eyes closed. Like, we can't use that one. All right, we got to try that one again. All right, I'm deleting that one. Here we go. We're doing it again. All right, ready? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, epic. All right, great. This side ready? They've been all practiced up. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Ready? Let's do this. Oh, man, looks like the whole front row's gone. That's terrible. All right, I'll have to fill that in with people and, and digitally. All right, later. All right, ready? Here we go. One, two, three, epic. All right, great. Let me check this one out real quick. The glare, it's a little bit of a glare, but that's off my head. That'll be okay. We can Photoshop that later. So that's fantastic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to later, I don't have service right now, but I'm going to post that on Facebook. So if you're a friend of mine, go to my Facebook account, like it, or post some comment about it. If you're not my friend on Facebook, why? (laughs) I only need like 44 more, and then I'll have 700, and then I'll be somebody. (laughs) All right, now, I'm pretty sure that you can tell I'm being very sarcastic this morning about social media. So hopefully you've picked that up. And I understand that social media was never intended to replace our in-person relationships. But here's what I fear. I fear that it's having huge implications on our real relationships. It seems that the more connected we are with technology, the more isolated and lonely we are becoming. It seems... The more connected we are in social media, the less connected we are with real relationships where we can reach out 
and touch somebody. Anybody ever see in a, a restaurant a group of people all gathered together on their phones? I see it all the time. All the time. So here, here's a group of people. Hey, let's go to lunch together. Coworkers or family, whatever. Let's go to lunch together. Great, let's go. And then we spend all of our time doing what? Connecting with people somewhere else and not connecting with each other face to face. I think real life change happens in the context of three feet or less when we're face to face with each other, when we're able to look into our eyes and talk to each other and challenge each other and encourage each other in our relationship with God. And I think that what social media is, is doing, one of the downsides of it, it is allowing us to settle for a type of community that's offered through social media that's kind of a lesser community. It's a superficial thing. And it's so interesting to watch the dynamic of social media. I watch people post crazy things on Facebook. And I'm like, really? You want the world to know that? And then I sit with them in small group and they clam up and don't want to talk about their lives. Like, I don't get that. We can tell the world all kinds of things. But then when we get into these real relationships, we, we have a difficult time talking about the struggles that we have the ways that we need to grow to be more like Jesus. And so I think, again, there's nothing wrong with technology, but it has the ability to pull us away from the type of community that God wants us to experience. Listen to a prayer that Jesus prayed right before his crucifixion. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed this to God the Father. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, meaning the disciples at the time, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So if you're a Christ follower today, Jesus was praying for you 2,000 years ago, and I think that is amazing. And we have the ability to answer Jesus' prayer. And here's the prayer. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So Jesus was praying that we would experience the type of community that God has all, always existed in. And he invites us into that relationship, a relationship where we love for each other, we, we care for each other, where we support each other, a, a type of community where people on the outside of it look inside and go, I want that. Like, what do you have? What is it about you that leans towards people in need? What is it about you that loves other people? I want that. And I want to take a step towards it. Now, here's the tension for all of us. Even though we all desperately want those types of relationships, I think God created us to exist in those types of relationships. Even though we want that, even though God created us for it, we are afraid of it. We're afraid if we get too close to people, we'll be rejected. We're afraid to let people know too much about us for fear that we'll get hurt. We're afraid that we won't be able to control our relationships as easily as we can control them on social media. So many of us manage the tension for our desire for community and our fear of it by settling for lesser community, for superficial community, that we think, at least I have this. At least I can communicate in this way. And yet, it falls very short of the type of community that God wants for us. So here's the big challenge for us today. For some of you, this is gonna stretch you. 
beyond what you've been stretched so far in this series. My encouragement to you is take, to take a step towards the type of biblical community that only exists within a distance of three feet or less, that only exists with real people that you can reach out and touch, real people that want to grow in their relationship with God. So my encouragement is for you to get into one of our community groups. Now, some of you are already debating me in your mind. You're already saying, no way, no how. I'm not going to some corny Christian group and holding hands with a group of people singing Kumbaya and talking about things that I don't want them to hear. Like, I understand that. That's how I felt the first time I heard a pastor challenge me to get in a small group. So 18 years ago, my wife and I had started attending a church in town called Palm Coast Community Church. Um, So my wife and I started attending there, and they challenged us to get in a small group, and I said, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm good. Me and my relationship with God, we're good. That's all I need. Well, with much persistence from my wife, she kept persuading me to attend a group, and so I did. We went to a couples group together, and here was the conversation on our way home. So driving home, I said this, you spoke way too much tonight about us. Don't ever do that again. I was serious. And I said, those, I don't know those people, and I don't want those people knowing anything more about us. And so in order for me to come back, my wife agreed not to talk about us. So I went back again and again, went to this small group, went to several different small groups in the course of, of these, these past 18 years. I've been through all kinds of, of small groups now. And I slowly but surely began to see the value of doing life together. I, I began to see that I cannot grow closer to God without growing closer to people around me. It's not possible. It's not possible. And I've gotten to a spot in my life where I think, I, I, I can't imagine living now without community. I can't imagine not having a group of people around me that I can count on, that I can talk to, that I can pray with, that, that, that I can help serve them in some capacity. I, I can't imagine that. So here is some ways that you can get active in our groups here. Next Sunday, you heard in the announcements, Chris said that we have a starting point group, so we've got an info meeting happening next week. If you've never been in a small group at Epic, if you've not done starting point, I encourage you. It's a great place to start. It's just a nine-week conversational environment where you can learn the story of God, and you can get to know other people here at Epic. You can begin to experience community. You can tiptoe your way in. Nobody's going to push you into the deep end, okay? Nobody's going to say, hey, share your deepest, darkest secrets. We'll let you tiptoe your way in to community. Now, if you've done that, if you've done starting point, what I encourage you to do is get active in our community groups. Again, you heard that in the announcements. Chris said, we've got a five-week community group experience starting next Sunday, four o'clock to 5.30. And the cool thing is, we'll watch your kids. So you take that out as an excuse. So we'll watch your kids for you, but you gotta pick them up at the end of the night, okay? I got four kids at home, I don't need any more. So I really encourage you to take a step in that direction. Now, some of you are probably still debating me. You're probably still saying, yeah, but I'm just so busy. Sounds great, Trent, I would love it, but I'm so busy. I got so much going on. I get it, I understand, I'm super busy too. I have a hard time keeping up with my kids and what's going on with their lives. But again, let's go back to how do we grow to be like Jesus? How do we stay on track in our relationship with him? We cannot do it without 
learning how to do deep community with God and people around us. So my challenge for you is to step beyond beyond any fear that you might have, step beyond the busyness of your calendar, and say, I'm gonna give community a try, either with Starting Point or with our community group experience. So again, we've got a table in the back. Tim will be back there, and he would love to to talk to you, answer any questions that you might have, Um, and it would be a great place for you to get signed up and take a step towards community. So let's pray together, and then our worship team is going to come out. So Lord, uh, again, uh, grateful for how you grow us in our relationship with you. And Lord, here we look this morning at at this issue of uh, doing life together with a small group of people. And Lord, I know for years I resisted that and said, no way, no how, I'm not doing that. And yet, Lord, the more we read scripture, the more I watch the Trinity interact, the more I see that we were designed for community. We were designed to live in a deep relationship with you and a deep relationship with other people. And those real relationships where we can care for each other, we can pray for each other, we can support each other in those times of need. So, Lord, I know you want all of us to be deeply connected with a group of people around us who want to grow to be like you. Lord, for us as as a church, community groups is just one tool for that. It's just one way that we can do that. And Lord, I, I know there are people sitting here today, just like me 18 years ago, hearing that challenge to get in a, a small group, and I said, no way. And Lord, I pray that they would step beyond their fear. I pray that they would step beyond any excuses they might have. I pray that they would step beyond the busy calendar, their activities, and they would take a step, take a risk, and try community. And help us learn as a church to build the type of community that exists in that Trinity relationship. A a relationship that proves to the world that we are your disciples a relationship that people look at and say, I want that, I want in. It's not about your Bible knowledge. It's it's not about how you advertise for God or how you can win an argument. It's your love that has drawn me in. So Lord, help us to discover that and help us to help other people around us discover that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris. I've got just a couple of announcements for you before Trent comes out to share his message. First of all, if you're new with us, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center on the way out. It's located on the other side of these curtains. We'd love to get an opportunity to meet you personally or maybe just be available to answer any questions you may have. Well, some of you may have noticed that I'm holding a bag full of groceries, and I don't know who played the sick joke of loading the bottom with soup cans, but I'm going to go ahead and put this down for a second because it's, uh, and you'll probably hear it as it hits the floor. Yes, it's full of soup cans. So anyway, a couple months ago, we heard about our mission teams that were off in Guatemala, and they were making an impact on a global level. Well, you know, not everybody can go ahead and travel out of the country and, uh, you know, get, get involved with that and be a part of that, but we have an opportunity to help people out right here in Flagler County. There are families right here in our own backyard that don't have enough to eat. There are kids that go hungry over the weekends because they're not being provided the school breakfast and the school lunch. Well, we've got an opportunity to help out those families. We're going to be passing out empty brown paper bags on the way out today. 
If you're able to, I ask you, or I challenge you, to grab one of those bags and see if you can fill it up. Maybe get one of those buy one, get one free at the grocery store and dump the other item, the extra one in the bag. We'll be accepting these bags every Sunday for the entire month of September. So think about that. Think about having an opportunity to make an impact right here in our own backyard. Well, right along the uh, same lines of giving, first of all, if you have chosen to take that leap of faith with your finances and support what we do here at Epic, thank you for that. If that's something you want to continue to do or you've recently made that leap of faith, uh, there's two ways that you can give here at Epic Church. The first way is to utilize the giving boxes that we have set up directly behind the seating sections on the tables, or you can visit our website, which is theepicchurch.com, and you can give securely online. Now, lastly, I just want to talk about small groups real quick. There's a, uh, a small group called Starting Point that we provide here at Epic Church. And what that is, it's a nine-week conversational small group where we can begin to explore how we fit into the story of God. And we're going to have an intro meeting to really go over what that's all about next week after both services. Right on the other side of these curtains is the teacher's lounge over there. So mark that on your calendar. We'll be able to answer all your questions at that intro meeting. If you've been through small, uh, Starting Point already, we then transition in a little bit deeper experience. It's our five-week um, small group experience. And this can be either a men's group, a woman's group, or even a couple's small group. We're going to go ahead, if you, on your seats, if you look, we've got a handout that's going to answer some of the questions you may have, or you can always visit us online. Um, but next Sunday, this small group, this five-week small group experience will begin over at Palm Coast Community Church, right on the corner of Pine Lakes Parkway and Palm Coast Parkway. Uh, we are going to have that at, starting at 4 o'clock p.m., and it's going to go to about 5.30 p.m. We want to provide, or we're going to provide, child care for 6th grade and below. All I need you to do is either go online and sign up, or Tim Jones is manning a table in the back. He's waving to you right now. If you turn around, he's over there. Go see Tim Jones after service. Get yourself signed up. We want to get an idea of who might be interested, about how many kids we might need to provide child care for. We'd appreciate that. So for a little bit more about small groups, go ahead and check out this video.